It was a Wednesday night in Boston, Massachusetts, earlier this year. In the iconic TD Garden, where the Boston Celtics play basketball and the Boston Bruins play hockey, the Florida Panthers were one loss away from elimination in the NHL playoffs. The Panthers were not favored to win the matchup at all. Everyone in their right mind predicted the Bruins to demolish the Panthers. The Bruins had just come off a historic season. Their record at the end of the year was 65-12-5, the winningest record in a single season for a team in National Hockey League history. They handily won the Atlantic Division and blasted into the playoffs as the number one seed with an incredible offense and a strong presence at the goal. They were the surefire choice to make a long run in the NHL playoffs headed straight for the Stanley Cup Final. Not to mention that their first matchup was a team that barely was supposed to be there. The Florida Panthers barely, I keep saying that word, they barely squeaked into the playoffs. Their record was 42-32-8. Real quick, if you are not a hockey fan, I bet you're wondering why I'm naming three numbers when I list the record. If you're a fan of basketball, baseball, football, most of the records is wins and losses. Well, in hockey, it is a little different. In hockey, the way you rank within your division is based on points. So a win is worth two points, a loss is worth zero points. But if you go to overtime and you lose in overtime, you still get one point. So in the regular season, overtime losses are still worth something. So now you know, when I list three numbers, win, loss, overtime loss, that is why I list those numbers. But the Panthers, they, they were standing on the threshold of missing the playoffs. Last year, they won the President's Trophy because they had the most wins, but in the playoffs, they got swept by their rival, the Tampa Bay Lightning. In 2023, they were about to be on the outside looking in. In order to make it in, some other teams actually had to lose. The Penguins and the Sabres both had to lose one of their last games of the season in order for the Panthers to make it into the playoffs at all. Those two teams happened to be the teams that my parents root for, Sorry to mom and dad. But to me, as a Panthers fan, this was great news. I was thrilled because with those two losses, the Panthers had just enough points to squeak into the eighth seed and make the playoffs. But for many predicting the outcome of those playoff matchups, the Panthers never stood a chance. They were facing a buzzsaw in the form of the Boston Bruins. The Bruins handily won Game 1. The Panthers managed to bounce back for Game 2. But when Game 3 and Game 4 were played in South Florida, the Bruins demolished the Panthers. Now, it was 3-1 Bruins. They only needed one more win in order to eliminate the Panthers from the playoffs. The Panthers were on their back foot now. When you're playing now, every game is for survival and the Bruins were a force to be reckoned with. But in Game 5, the Panthers fought back. They took a 3-2 lead through the third period, only for the Bruins to come back and tie it. Game 5 went to overtime, and the Panthers somehow got the sudden death goal that they needed to stay alive. They fought off elimination, and within a week, they won Game 6 and Game 7. Game 7 was a notably exciting overtime win. I was running laps around my house when it was over. The Panthers had done the impossible. There's a term in sports, an upset, when a team is expected to lose and then they somehow win. This was perhaps the most upset of all upsets. The Panthers barely made it into the playoffs. The Bruins had broken records. They were the winningest team in hockey history, but the underdog did it. And the historic Bruins were eliminated from the playoffs on their home ice. The Panthers were moving on. Nobody, nobody, saw that coming, and they didn't predict what would come next. 
a run of victories that would carry the Panthers to their first Stanley Cup Finals appearance in 27 years since 1996, the year I was born. This week, we're talking about that Florida Panthers team. Not the 2023 miracle run that no one saw coming, but the 1996 Panthers, the team that made history and the incredible story of their parallels, the underdogs, or should I say undercats, that no one saw coming. I'm Nick D'Alessandro, and this is Wait 5 Minutes, a podcast about Florida by a Floridian. This week is our sixth episode of the season, our last episode before our quick summer break, and a bit of a break from some of those heavy topics we've been talking about for the last few weeks. Listen, we've been talking politics, legislature, the governor, all these huge national debates that have brought Florida into the spotlight, and they're important, and I want to talk about them, but... It gets heavy sometimes, and frankly, I would like to give us a little bit of a break before we head into the second half of the season where we have a lot of important topics on the docket. Nowadays, frankly, one of the most exciting things in the state, one of the things that makes you proud to be a Floridian, is our sport teams. Can I just say, I've been writing this script, and sport teams never sounds right, but is there another way to say it? Our teams? Or sports? I, I don't I don't know any way to say it. S but sport team sounds like I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it, it may seem childish, but in times of exhaustion, frustration, and uncertainty, it's impossible to not at least be a little proud of the teams that represent our hometowns. Tampa, Orlando, Miami, everywhere. I mean, even our collegiate teams are successful right now. It feels like right now there's a lot to be proud of in a time when there isn't much to be proud of. So that is what we're going to talk about this week. The underdog Floridians of 2023 and the sport teams, there it is again, the sport teams that are making all of us proud. It's been a year of underdog successes for Florida sports. Many teams in many sports, in many professional levels, have made huge impact on the national sporting dialogue, specifically in years where nobody expected these teams to be in the conversation. And yet, here they are. Let's talk about it, because it's it's pretty incredible. Alongside the Florida Panthers, the Miami Heat, who share an arena with the Panthers, were similarly an eight-seed team in the NBA playoffs who knocked off the number one seed, the Milwaukee Bucks. But they did it in five games rather than seven games that the Panthers took. Then the Heat would beat the New York Knicks in six games and the Boston Celtics in seven games. So that's twice in one year that a Miami-based team eliminated a Boston team from the playoffs. Sorry to my Boston fan listeners. But the Miami Heat made it to the finals in a year where no one counted them in for the long haul. Alas, they lost to the mighty Denver Nuggets, a worthy victory, but a sad loss for South Florida fans everywhere. Additionally, over in college basketball, the Florida Atlantic University Owls surprisingly made the iconic March Madness competition. They played great, and they got actually into the bracket to compete for the championship. They were the number nine seed in the East, and they made a staggering run, making their first appearance in both the Elite Eight and the Final Four, making them one of the last four teams in the bracket. A surprise that no one expected, and it put the FAU Owls firmly on the college basketball map. But it doesn't stop there. The Florida State Seminoles softball team and the University of Florida Gators baseball team both made it to the finals in their respective sports and both lost in the final. It sucks. It was such that man that broke my heart. I was so excited for the Seminoles softball team. They played so well this year. A pitcher for the Seminoles whose name is Catherine Sandercock. She actually threw a perfect game for the Seminoles this year. That is so crazy and the Gators they had an incredible run all these guys some of the guys on that team it's their last like chance to represent the Gators 
They both lost in the finals. It's extremely sad, but the run that they had, I mean, it's its something to be proud of. I was so happy for both those teams, and, and I hope that all of them have long careers in their respective sports. Uh, and, and I'm looking forward to see how the Seminole softballs and the Gator baseball and the Seminole baseball and the Gator softball bounce back in this next upcoming season later next year. As for Major League Baseball, the season is still in full swing with some additionally exciting things going on over there. The Tampa Bay Rays started their season with a staggering 13-game win streak, a feat that hasn't been accomplished since the 1987 Milwaukee Brewers. At the time of this recording, they are still on top of their division, as sad as I am to report that as a Yankees fan, though... They're not on a great run right now that has some Tampa fans concerned, but most people expect them to bounce back and survive because their team is just incredible. They have so many players that are in the all-star game. The Rays are the real deal, and they're a huge part of the national conversation about baseball right now. Also, over in the National League down in Miami, the Miami Marlins have a player named Luis Arise. He is on track to make a bit of history himself. The Marlins have been playing some great baseball this year, making a run toward the playoffs that have them attaining a wild card spot if they keep the pace they're at. But Luis Arise is doing something else entirely. He is attempting to maintain a batting average of 400 through the end of the season. Okay, if you don't know baseball well, I'll explain this briefly. That essentially means that Arise is trying to make it so that at least 40% of the time when he is batting, he gets a hit. That is very difficult to maintain. Many players, including Arise, have made it over 400 through their season in the last few years, but very, very, very few have actually made it to the end of the season with a batting average over 400. It actually hasn't happened in 75 years. 75 years! The last three players to do it were all in the Negro Leagues in the 40s. Their names were Totello Vargas, Josh Gibson, and Artie Wilson. The last MLB player to do it was Ted Williams in 1941 for the Boston Red Sox. That is a long, long time ago. Luis Arise could do it. He's an incredible hitter. He is so much fun to watch, but it's going to take some work. All that to say that if you care about sports at all, it is an incredible time to be excited about Florida sports. We're on the map in a way I don't think we have been really in a long time. I really tell you all that to say this. You may not be a sports fan, and I understand. I often surprise myself with how much I care about sports. It's not something I really did until I was like 19. Then all of a sudden I was like, maybe I love sports. <laughs> it, it just happened all of a sudden. But it's hard to not root for your teams, especially in tough times. Sports have always felt like a bit of a relief, a proper distraction from difficult things in our lives. And when the state of Florida is producing sport moments like this that are so exhilarating for our fan bases, for, for happy bandwagons of people who hop on to support teams because they see they're doing well, you have to be excited for those players. You have to be excited for those fan bases. So when the Florida Panthers made their run through the spring of this year, I was locked on the screen pretty much every game. But I also learned a lot about the Florida Panthers, about their franchise, about their history. I've only been a Panthers fan for about two years. I chose them as my team to root for in the NHL before the 2021 season began. So I've been learning a lot about the Panthers, and I've been learning about an unusual tradition that they have, which involves a little rubber rat. Okay, let's start at the beginning. Let's meet Wayne Huizenga. That last name, H-U-I-Z-E-N-G-A. Huizenga, I think. If I'm pronouncing that wrong, 
Let me know. But I've done some research and I believe that that is correct. You may not know his name, though I suspect that some older listeners may have heard his name. I asked my parents and they've all heard of him. But if you don't know his name, you likely know one or all of the companies that he founded or had a part in. During his lifetime, he founded AutoNation and Waste Management, the latter of which he started in Fort Lauderdale. Perhaps the brand most interesting in retrospect that Wayne was involved in was the one and only Blockbuster, the incredible video rental company that went out of business thanks to Netflix and other streaming services. Wayne got involved with Blockbuster and bought some of their stores in 1987, right before the home rental industry truly took off. But in the 90s, his involvement with South Florida sports changed the shape of Florida sport culture forever. He bought a 15% ownership of the Miami Dolphins, the iconic football team that had already already brought a few championships to South Florida, but he would go on to form the Miami Marlins, then called the Florida Marlins, with Miami beating out Orlando and Tampa for the location of the team. We'll talk more about the founding and early years of that team another time, especially because there's conversation right now about bringing a baseball team to Orlando. We'll see about that. And also the Miami Marlins played in the same stadium that the Dolphins did for a bit. I can't imagine how that worked. That's weird. I'll look into it. But even weirder than that is that Wayne Huizinga successfully brought two major league teams to Florida, to Miami, not just the Florida Marlins, the Miami Marlins, but in the very same year, in 1993, the Miami Marlins were founded. So too were the Florida Panthers. It took a few years for that team to find success. It also took a few years for the team to gain popularity. See, hockey in Florida is a... It's an anomaly, right? It's an ice sport that has a lot of popularity in icy countries like Canada and, you know, Scandinavia. (laughs) Parts of the world that are cold in Florida is famously not cold. But you would be amazed at the hockey fandom that is in Florida. If you have not gone to a hockey game in the state of Florida, if you've never been to the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Florida Panthers, or my former employers, the Orlando Solar Bears, a minor league team here in Orlando. If you haven't checked out those games, they're hardcore. People in Florida care. They love hockey. Why? I don't know. We just do. (laughs) We just do. So it took a while for the Panthers to attract Floridians. There was a lot of snowbirds who would attend some of the games, people who lived in states where hockey is much more popular, much more prevalent. But once they developed a fan base, once they had a culture, they had a lot going for them. Like I said, it took a few years to really prove their worth and and establish a culture around them. The team was owned by Blockbuster through Wayne Huizinga, so apparently the goalie for the Panthers in those early years, whose name was John Van Beesbrook, but I guess people called him Beezer, which I think is a great nickname, uh, he made a video for Blockbuster explaining hockey to the masses. He even did a mall tour, like he went to a bunch of malls explaining what hockey is to Floridians. I would love to write about that for the show. Mall tours are one of my favorite weird anomalies of the 20th century but the Panthers eventually found their fan base and in the very first game of the 1995-1996 season something would happen to the Florida Panthers that would redefine their legacy a story that you have to hear to believe I'm going to warn you up top if you are squeamish this story has just a little bit of animal death in it it's the death of a rat it's I'll keep it brief I'll keep the details light but you know just, I just have to give you a warning up front. There are no graphic details, but it's, it's a bit of a gnarly story. I'll keep it brief. This is a quote from Bill Torrey, the president of the Panthers in 1995, who recounted this story to Kevin Paul DuPont of the Boston Globe. It was printed in the Stewart News on December 10th, 1995, which is where I found it. The story is about Scott Mellenby 
a Florida Panther icon who scored the franchise's first goal back in 1993, but managed to make an even more significant impact with a different shot altogether. Here's the story from Bill Torrey. Wow, what a rhyme. Here's the story from Bill Torrey. Quote, Mellonby was just standing there in the hall before our first home game, and here comes this sucker, a rat, a brown rat, pretty good-sized, running right at him. He wound up, hit a slapper, and splat. It smashed him full up against the wall and killed him, end quote. So, Mellonby saw a rat before the first home game of the 1995 season scurrying at him in the Miami arena, and he smacked it like a hockey puck, killing the critter instantly. A sign would soon be put up by the team equipment manager to memorialize the rat's untimely demise. Apparently, this is pretty gross, there was a stain on the wall from where the rat hit. It's a brutal story. <laughs> it's, it's tough. And apparently, according to an article in The Athletic, which we're going to be talking about later, this is from The Athletic. I did not make this up, so take their word for it. There was still rat fur on the stick tape when the game started. Good grief. That's so rough, but it's a brutal story and an odd one to survive for the 28 some years between then and now. But man, I'm so glad that that story exists, even though I'm sorry you had to hear all those grisly details. But during that game, the Panthers would play the Calgary Flames. The Panthers would win 4-3 with two of their goals scored by that same player, Scott Mellenby. The aforementioned goalie, John Van Beesbrook, he would coin a new term. He said that Mellonby did something brand new, a rat trick. Now, in hockey, if one player scores three goals in a single game, that's called a hat trick. And fans usually throw their hats onto the ice to celebrate. This is important to remember. Mellonby had done something new, two goals on the ice and one more in the form of the dead rat in the hallway, a rat trick. A stupid pun, an offhand joke, the sort of humor that I found to be very common in hockey culture. A little goofy, a little sincere, a little crass, all in the best way. But that rat trick wasn't just a one-time off-the-cuff joke by, by the Beezer. No, the, the Panthers fans adopted this as a part of the fan culture. This is from that same article. Quote, In the weeks since, Panther fans have embraced their newfound favorite vermin. Each Panther goal brings a shower of rats in all shapes and sizes, a spin-off to the traditional hail of hats that fall in all NHL rinks when a hat trick is scored." End quote. These goofy rubber or plastic rats became part of the celebration for this rising hockey team. In that year, t-shirts touting the rat trick spawned sponsorships with pest control companies came around, and before games there were, quote, hawkers selling toy rats for $5 and more, end quote. Here's a quote from the coach that year, Doug McLean, quote, I love seeing those things thrown on the ice. I remember coaching in Baltimore a few years ago, and we had probably the worst fight song in the history of all fight songs. I told everybody then that I loved to hear that song, though, because it meant we were scoring. It's the same thing with these rats. Keep them coming. I hope by the end of the year, you can't buy a rat in all South Florida, end quote. He nearly got his wish. The Panthers had quite a run to the playoffs in the 95-96 season, winding up fourth in the Eastern Conference. Behind the rat trick striker Scott Mellenby and the rat trick dubber goalie John Van Beesbrook, the Panthers roared into the playoffs, my pun intended, and fought off the Boston Bruins, weirdly, in five games, an incredible parallel to this past year. Then they upset the Philadelphia Flyers in six games, and my mother's team, the Pittsburgh Penguins, they lost in seven games to the Florida Panthers. The Panthers, in their third year of existence, had made it to the Stanley Cup, but the party was soon over when the Colorado Avalanche destroyed the 
Panthers in four games. A sweep that sent that incredible rat trick team back to earth. What started as quite a year ended in heartbreak. They didn't even win one game in the Stanley Cup final. And perhaps the most heartbreaking story of all, the the most devastating fact, is they wouldn't get another chance to win a game in the Stanley Cup final for 27 years. Which brings us back to Game 5 this year against the Boston Bruins. That Game 5, like I said, was in Boston. The Bruins fully expected to win on home ice. But no, Game 6 forced them to go back to Florida and face the Panthers in Miami. That meant two things. The Panthers had home ice advantage, the crowd on their side, and that meant that the crowd was armed with a litany of rubber rats. Large, brown, squat, and ready to crash onto the ice. I want to tell you something. Florida Panthers Instagram, whenever they won a game in these playoffs, they would post, you know, game one, Panthers win game one, and then they would have a digital image of one of those nasty rats just dead center on the ice. And as they won more and more playoffs games, it was like the the dead rats on the ice would accumulate behind the rat. Go look at the Panthers Instagram page so you can see what I'm talking about. Those rats are so baked into the culture now that the team is posting it on their official Instagram. It's who they are. In Game 6, back in Miami, the Panthers scored two goals in the first period, and then the Bruins tied it up in the second, and then the Panthers surged ahead, leaving it 3-2 Panthers going into the third period. The Bruins came back with fight in the third period and scored two goals in short succession. Now, the Panthers were behind with 16 minutes on the clock. They tied it, only for the Bruins to take back the lead with less than 10 minutes of the game, of the season, ahead of them. The Bruins were ahead 5-4. But the Panthers have a nickname the fans and the team have adopted. See, they're the Panthers, right? Which ostensibly means that they're a cat, a big cat, right? That's why they got dubbed something very special. The Cardiac Cats. (laughs) That is because, and I can speak from experience, nothing gets your heart racing like the Florida Panthers when they're behind, they're surging, they're powering through to a victory, they're coming from behind to win. I have found myself standing on furniture, burying my head in pillows, hiding in a pantry or an inch from the television, quietly having miniature meltdowns in the final minutes of a hockey game, waiting for how it's all going to end. They make you stress somehow every time they get you terrified and then turns around because in under 30 seconds after that goal where the Bruins went ahead, the Panthers tie it up 5-5 with just about nine minutes left. Two more goals and the game was over. The Panthers win game six at home, forcing a win or go home game seven. And when the buzzer rang and the score was called final, can you guess what happened next? Rats. You won't see it on the highlights or any compilation of the game on any official YouTube videos, any recaps of it. But if you look at the photos and videos from fans, from the team, you can see them falling, sliding, littering the ice as the guys celebrate the chance to make it a winner go home game seven. The rat trick came true at one of the most important moments in Florida Panthers history and in Miami on home ice. The rats came raining down. 27 years later, 27, my entire lifetime, the rats have remained. What happens next? Well, the Panthers win game seven. They did the impossible. You already know that. They upset the Bruins, the winningest team in hockey history. No one saw it coming. It's part of the story now. And then they just couldn't slow down. They beat the Toronto Maple Leafs in five games, and they would sweep the Carolina Hurricanes 
in four games. But that sweep against the Hurricanes in the Eastern Conference Final, it wasn't without its drama. No, the first game against the Carolina Hurricanes would end up being the sixth longest game in National Hockey League history. The sixth longest in hockey history. So, in hockey, another quick sporting lesson for you all. I'm sure you all trust me to be your sporting professional, your sporting rule official, the guy who tells you about flowers and trains. I'm here to also tell you about how hockey works. So, in hockey, quick lesson you play three periods of 20 minutes if you are tied at the end of the three periods you go to overtime and then it's sudden death next goal wins in the regular season if overtime doesn't end the game you have a shootout which basically just means a guy goes down just one-on-one -on -one, tries to get it past the goalie go look them up they're pretty thrilling but in playoffs no shootout so if you are tied after overtime you go into another overtime and if you don't win in that overtime, you go into another overtime. Well, in that first game, Panthers versus Hurricanes, no one scored in the first overtime or the second or the third. So the game went into its fourth overtime. That means that they played almost seven full periods of hockey. They played essentially two games of hockey back to back because a regular game is three periods. Then they played another three periods. Then they went into the fourth overtime. It was insane. And I your dedicated fan and your dedicated journalist stayed up. I stayed up all night. I was up playing Zelda, watching this game, waiting in the fourth overtime with less than a minute on the clock. Matthew Kachuk slapped in the game-winning goal and promptly zoomed off the ice just before 2 a.m. It was over. But that was the craziest thing about the Panthers' run to the Stanley Cup. Time and again, the impossible would happen with these cardiac cats. And that is what brought them to the finals. I just want to say one thing before we talk about how this story ends. One of the things I like most about the Florida Panthers is their name. If you've listened to the show long enough, you know how much I love Panthers, the Florida Panther, our state animal, a very, very important animal to our ecosystem, our culture. And I've talked about them on the show and they are so crucial to who we are as a state. And if you haven't read Cattail by friend of the show, Craig Pittman, I highly recommend you give it a read so you can learn a lot about the Florida Panthers and their, and their presence in our ecosystem. But so many teams I feel don't actually get a chance to reflect what matters to the community that they are playing for. And this is a South Florida team. And every day they come out with a Florida Panther on their jersey. I have a, a vintage shirt of the Florida Panthers that is just a yellow Florida Panther roaring on it. And I love it because I, I like rooting for the team, but I also love it because it actually feels like it represents who we are and what matters to us. And that makes me proud, makes me makes it easy to root for this team. And it made it easy during this playoff run to just be locked in and thrilled as they finally made it back to the Stanley Cup final. But the miracle was not meant to last. In five games, the Vegas Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup. The Panthers only won one game, game three. But that means something to this team. See, the Panthers have only been to the Stanley Cup Finals twice. The first time, they got swept. They didn't even win one game. So that one singular game that the 2023 Panthers won, game three, as small as it may seem, it means something. The first victory in the Stanley Cup Finals for our Florida Panthers. It took 27 years to get another chance, but they did it. What matters to me personally is not so much that single victory or the four other losses, but the fact that after nearly 30 years, those original cats from 1996 got to celebrate this new team. 
In an article from The Athletic about the Panthers' 2023 run for the Stanley Cup written by Michael Russo, players from those early years weigh in on what it means for the Panthers to be back in the spotlight. These guys were foundational to the early years, and now the Panthers are back in the conversation. Defenseman for the Panthers back in the day, Ed Jovanovsky, he's currently working for Bally Sports Florida. He analyzes the team throughout the season, but about the 2023 playoffs, he had this to say, quote, It's most rewarding to see the building full, fans enjoying a great playoff run, great for the ownership, great for the organization, great for the grassroots level, end quote. About the rat trick, he says, quote, The rats are just a neat thing. It's a tradition that never went away. Usually something fades out. This thing is back in volume these days. It's a nice touch, especially for those of us that were here at the beginning. End quote. As for Scott Mellenby, who smacked the now iconic rat trick in the first place, the article checks in on him nowadays. He spent eight years working as the general manager for the Montreal Canadiens, and now he works for the St. Louis Blues. Apparently, at his own home, he has a dead fake rat in a case commemorating that iconic day, but here's what the article has to say about Mellenby and the 2023 Panthers. Quote, He's doing his best to stay quiet and out of the spotlight. Always humble, Mellenby feels he had his run, and this is theirs. He wants the current-day Panthers players, coaches, management, and staffers, and especially the fans, to have their own journey. End quote. A beautiful sentiment, and one I appreciate as a newer fan myself. Because, you see, I never have gotten a chance to really fall in love with the team. All my favorite teams in other sports I was kind of born into. But I chose the Panthers on a whim two years ago, and I've spent the last two years getting to know what makes them so special. Part of that, despite Mellonby's sentiments, is about learning where it begins. Those early years matter, and his rat trick combined with that amazing run to the finals is a part of this team's legacy. And now, in 2023, when a new team makes their run, a new fan base rallies around their cardiac cats, and none of that would be possible without the 1996 Panthers. If you're a fan of any sport, you understand this. It's, it's one thing to love your team. It's another thing to have people you love that also care about that team. It unites you. It brings you together. Getting to sit down and watch sports with my family has been a hugely important part of my life for the last 10 years or so. My whole life, really. Getting to sit and watch those teams that matter to us together. It's a love language of sorts, and getting to share the Panthers with my family as this run was happening, getting to share this team that I'd grown so fond of, it was wonderful. And getting to meet new people that are Panthers fans and learn about this culture, it's enriching. It, it, it sounds silly, I understand. If you don't get sports, this sounds crazy, but it is a wonderful thing. That's the best part of any sport, the legacy. The history, it's part of the foundation you stand on as a fan in the modern day. And for me, it feels like the Panthers are just getting started. Sure, it took 27 years for them to return to the finals, and they only won their first game in the finals this year. But I hope, and so many other Panthers fans do too, that we won't have to wait another 27 years in order to win another game. I'll leave you with this. If you are looking for a hockey team, if you're looking for a team to root for, and maybe you're looking for an underdog or an undercat team to bring into the next hockey season, Maybe, just maybe, you should join the Cardiac Cats. And of course, when you go to a game, if you go to a game in Miami, as I intend to, please be sure to bring your own rat.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Wait 5 Minutes. I'm so glad that you are here. I'm so glad that we got to talk about this team that I love so much and take a little break from those heavy topics we've been covering all season. We are back at it in two weeks. We are taking a two-week break starting today. We'll be back at it on July 24th with our five-year anniversary episode. If you are interested, if you want to see more of what's going on in my week, I am going on vacation to St. Pete Beach this upcoming week. I'll be posting about it on Instagram, some of my visits as I spend some time at St. Pete. So please feel free to follow the show on Instagram or Facebook at WFM Pod. You can send me an email at WFMPod at gmail.com and you can leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Means a lot to me, helps the show grow, brings new people into the show. So let me know what you like about the show in those reviews or send me an email, WFM pod at gmail.com thank you for listening thank you for sharing the show with your friends and maybe if you're a hockey fan that wants to get someone interested well maybe the florida panthers are just the team for you come on in bandwagoners welcome i'm a bandwagoner come on in we're having fun I've included some links in the episode description so you can go and read a little bit more about these various topics. Specifically, I've included that athletic interview about the Panthers. It is a great article. I highly suggest you give it a read to learn a little bit more about the team and their history. All of the music was originally composed. All right, folks, that is it for me this week. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. It means a lot to me to get to talk about weird little things that I'm passionate about. And sometimes that's a rubber rat and a hockey team. We will be back in two weeks on July 24th for our five-year anniversary, and I'm very, very excited to go back and, and talk about some things that are fundamental to this show's existence, talk about those early years, tell you some stories about the early years that make me laugh in retrospect, but the main thing we're going to be talking about in our five-year anniversary episode is something very near and dear to this show's existence. We're going to be talking about the phrase, if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes. Where does it come from? Who said it? Did they say it about Florida? Is the show's title, its very existence, a lie? Well, we'll talk about that in two weeks. I will see you on July 24th for that episode. I am very much looking forward to it. Until then, be good to yourself, be good to others, drink more water, and go Gator and muddy the water. Have a great week, everyone. Go Cats.